The Stages podcast acknowledges the traditional custodians of the lands on which our artists and audiences meet. We pay our respect to past, present and emerging elders. We acknowledge the important role that art has played on these lands for thousands of years and feel privileged to work alongside artists continuing the creative practice of one of the oldest surviving cultures in the world. Hello, I'm Peter Ayers and you're listening to Stages, the podcast that converses with creatives... Then the next block further down there was the Royal, then the Prince Edward was right opposite the Royal, then the Savoy. And we used to get fined if you were late for the half hour and fined for misbehaving on stage. Just for God's sake, do it better. <laughs> Sometimes that's all you can say. But when you've gone through that, you do get a lot of ego. And you go out there knowing that the one thing that's different every time is that audience. I didn't wake up until... I was in emergency. I was around the uh, world of actors as a child. Crawfords were needing a casting assistant. No business plan, no concept, no training. It's not something you could do now. Went to school on Friday, got on the bus on Saturday, auditioned for the show. They said, you've got the role. I never went back to school again. (laughs) Thank you. I've enjoyed being here talking about my favourite subject. Ego in check, me. (laughs) Yeah, it's a date. (laughs) It's a date. Hello, I'm Peter Ayers and welcome to Stages, the podcast that converses with creatives about craft and career. Lisa Mazza is a singer, actor, writer and filmmaker. It's no surprise that she has accomplished such vast artistic endeavour, growing up surrounded by theatre makers. Her father being the legendary trailblazer Robert Mazza. Lisa made her stage debut at the age of eight, playing a little boy called Pumpkinhead in Robert Merritt's The Cake Man. It was the first Aboriginal Torres Strait Islander-run production performed at the newly formed National Black Theatre and was directed by Robert Mazza. A long list of performance credits includes Sisters of Gallum, Stolen, The Sapphires, A Letter for Molly, Glorious Bastards and The Rabbits. In addition to her eclectic performance career, her theatre writing and documentary making, Lisa has expanded her skill set along the way in a range of other areas that include theatre administration, tour managing, project management, MC work and associate producing. Lisa performs in the Triple Olivier award-winning stage show of Amelia, which is making its Australian debut at the Arts Centre Melbourne from the 10th to the 27th of November. The production will then tour to Canberra. Here's my insightful conversation with Lisa Mazza. Lisa Mazza, good morning. It's lovely to meet you. Good morning, Peter. Lovely to be here. Of course, the 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 Mazza name is synonymous with with theatre in Australia. So uh, may I say also, it's a great honour to meet you. Oh, thank you, <laughs> Lisa. I'd like to start with a, a quote of yours, which I discovered when uh, when researching you, which which I think expresses the great purpose of of the artist. You said. I am interested in telling the stories, human stories, Indigenous stories, truthful stories, stories that educate, entertain, make people laugh, but most of all, make people think. I personally want to see work that is authentic, inspirational, surprising, that educates, moves, delights and challenges me. I want to find progressive ways for us to move forward as an industry and as a nation. Uh, We have great responsibilities as theatre makers, don't we? Absolutely. Uh, I I mean, I I think that all... I think that all artists 
of course, if, if you're not making art with a purpose, I mean, obviously it's all, all got a purpose, but there's, um, you know, bigger purposes or small purposes and obviously it is to entertain. That's, that's, that's what we want. But, the, but, yes, I do believe that we all ha have to be making a change and educating and really, you know, we, we, you know, there's a lot of different theatre, and I, I kind of do believe that that we have this opportunity, especially as indigenous, in the First Nations people, the first people of this country. I always feel that responsibility to, um, yeah, to make a difference, to do what I can for for mob, yeah, which is a big responsibility. Uh, theatre can offer great um, healing properties. Also, it's often uh, a, a cathartic experience for people. Uh, performers and audience oh definitely I, I mean certainly in a lot of the in the work that I've done um yeah I mean there is you know there's a lot to be learned and known but also yeah yeah as a performer it's not just for the audience obviously as a performer too connecting with other people who've had d different experiences and um yeah, oh, and, and I suppose getting through <laughs> getting through the work sometimes is a, is definitely a cathartic experience because it all is all very um, you know very a lot of it not all of it obviously and I think that you know there's a whole range of stories now there's more and more uh, first peoples first nations peoples in Australia um, you know making making different work because I think a lot of it, a lot of what I have done uh, certainly in the past is order you know, very based on autobiographical stories. Um, so that, you know, obviously very, very personal stories. Um, so, yes, cathartic indeed. Um, you know, you hope it has, you know, you come out of it with some, you know, a, well, a positive experience. I mean, that's not always the case because there's so much, uh, you know, so much, as you know, so much stuff that has gone on in people's lives that continues to affect people so um it's you know yes it's always cathartic usually anyway uh, some of the stories many of the stories of the first nations people are confronting they're disturbing they're upsetting how do you make them theatrical and yet retain authenticity well i i certainly would think that it's you know you you can take things differently and I, and I suppose, you know, obviously a lot of, you know, I think human beings do it. I don't think it's just a black thing, but I certainly think that there's, uh, well, you have to find the humour. You have to find the humour, otherwise you, otherwise you, you'll die. You know, it's just like, otherwise you may as well not bother. So I think that you have to, you know, you still have to, it's still human beings. And I, so I think that everyone can relate to human stories, how, however particular they are. Um, but, but I, yeah, I do think that you find the humanity of stories, you find the comedy and you find the, um, yeah, the, the connect, connecting kind of stuff in it that everyone relates to. And I think, I think that's how you do it. But everyone's story, you know, I mean, people, no matter how, hard their stories are you don't have to show it all you don't have to tell it all people can people understand it and 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 hopefully people know enough and have heard enough to not have to go into you know trauma or or that kind of thing I don't 
you know, I'm, I, for me personally, I feel like we've done, there's been a lot of that and not, yeah, I kind of, you know, I want, like, I want those, those hard things to be there, but I want, yeah, I kind of want some joy and I want some like, okay, what are we going to do now and how are we going to go forward kind of thing as well, of course, you know. Yeah. Theatre is a communal experience and we cry together, mm. but but we, we laugh together as well. Oh, that's it. Absolutely. We, we, we have to laugh. We have to, as I said, yeah, we need to laugh and we need, we need to go on the whole journey. Like we need to make it a, a, you know, a, a, a full experience. I think it's kind of worth trying to, trying to look forward in, in that way. And I don't mean that that means that you, you know, forget anything that's happened, but I think that it's like, okay, what, what can we do now? You know? Um, the arts have undergone a terrific renaissance in recent years with uh, with a determined effort to make the stages for everyone uh, with content and, and, and casting has become much mm. more aware of the necessity of diversity in storytelling, a, a movement that perhaps began earlier with, with colourblind casting. Are we there yet or have we still got a lot more to do? Yeah, it's, it's certainly moving that way. I mean, I feel like you know, I, I feel like all that kind of thing, quotas and that kind of thing is actually is a good thing. I'm I'm all for that because I feel like there wouldn't be a space if you didn't make it, if you didn't enforce it. Um, so are we there yet? I mean, it's interesting because, yeah, there's people arguing against kind of colourblind casting. I was always raving on about colourblind casting and whatever, but it's not about kind of ignoring, not being blind to the colour. But yeah, I mean, how it's 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 an interesting dilemma because it's like, okay, well, how do you make it historically correct? Well, you know, I think that we're smart enough as a, as a people to understand that this person who's black is not playing is not playing who they are. Like, I think that we're we're smart enough to know that we we see women in playing men's roles and we see men playing women's roles. It's like we're quite. Uh, able to do that I I don't know if we're there yet I mean it's it's interesting because it's like for 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 blackfellas some I feel like there's a lot of look blackfellas there, there is definitely much more space you can't even compare it to years and years ago so we can see that we have come uh you know certain steps yeah, and there's a lot of people like you know if you see ads and stuff, you can see that there's a lot of um, yeah, not not well. There are some First Nations people, but there are certainly you know a lot of other races that are used as well. Um, you know, I don't want to probably I shouldn't name other races, but yeah, there's a bit of um, we need someone, and and it's like I so I suppose you know of course I would prefer that you know, first peoples of this country are being used before other people are being used. But, you know, I think it's fine to have a diverse collection of people. It's offering a, a new lens and new perspectives at, at looking at um, 
at stories also. I mean, the theatre is a place, after all, where we suspend our disbelief when we when we enter that uh, auditorium. Yeah. I mean, there's yeah. a um, a production of a musical called 1776 playing Broadway at the moment. Now that that show is about the founding fathers of the United States of America, but it's cast entirely with uh, a female cast of of many diverse backgrounds. You're having a similar experience at the moment in, in Melbourne. You're in rehearsal for Amelia. And uh, that features a team of uh, entirely made up of women and non-binary creatives from That's diverse right. cultural backgrounds. That must be an exciting experience. Oh, it's, I mean, just in its size, it's spectacular. And there are absolutely, it does feel like a diverse cast. Um, I'm the only First Nations from Australia, but, um, you know, yeah, it's, it's just... Um, I am enjoying it. I have to say, it, I haven't worked in this size cast since. Well, maybe, maybe never. It is a rather large cast. Ah, oh, maybe in Corrugation Road years ago, or you know, there might have been. Oh no, that's not. Yeah, maybe there was. I shows, but it does matter. It's been. It feels like it's been a long time, and we've had COVID in between. Um, and and the fact that it is all women, and I have to say, there's something so. Yeah, there's just something so lovely about that, like a whole bunch of women getting together to create this. And, oh, my goodness, I mean, it's it's huge, it's gigantic, but it is so fun and it is so, yeah, there's so much joy and love in that room and, um, you know, and there's just such a diversity of people to talk to as well. Like it's just this... Yeah, but but everyone's joining in and there's a lot, you know, to try and, um, you know, we've got to try and rein it in a bit because, you know, we do need to get on, you know, it's, it, if the director's talking, it's like, okay, be quiet. <laughs> there's things that, um, you know, need to happen. But, um, yeah, there's certainly a lot of generosity and, um, you know, sharing of stuff and stories and, you know, we've, you know, you, you go straight into... Um, you know, very deep and personal stories that you that you know that you wouldn't probably sh oh yeah you probably wouldn't share if there were men in the room maybe you know so it is a bit of you know women's business in that way but um but yeah it it, it really is a, a hive of activity and energy um yeah and we you know we're being split now into different rooms so that different people you know, can, can rehearse at separate times so that we can really move it along because there is only four weeks, which is a reasonably short time considering considering it is two acts and it is so gigantic, you yeah. know. And it has been, um, you've faced about uh, two years of uh, missteps along the way with COVID, et cetera, with Essential Theatre trying to, to get this production up. So it'll be a blessing when you, uh, when you reach opening night. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think, yeah, I mean, I, f I felt it. I haven't been involved in that uh, in that process, but, um, you know, of making it, I, I got called in. I haven't ever been to a reading or anything either. So I just kind of came on a bit later than some people, but a whole lot of, a whole lot of the cast have come in late, actually. But, um, I, yes, I did hear about it and they just all seemed so thrilled. And so there's something about that as well. Like it's not just some big production. It is a, it is a fairly, well, fairly small-ish, you know, company. It's not, it's not MTC, obviously. It's not, you know, 
um, so so it's really um, a blessing for them. You know, it completely suited the company of, you know, female-run company and, um, yeah, and, and they do Shakespeare. So it was right up their alley. When they heard about this, it was like, this is what we have to do. And then, of course, yeah, COVID came and put a bit of a spanner in the works as it did for so much else. Um, so, yes, they are. I think that there's an extra amount of energy and and um, gratitude to be able to do this work. I think. So the character of Amelia, uh, the the question is that, that could she be the dark lady of of Shakespeare's sonnets? But but the play is about women who are faced with sexism, inequality, and harassment, which seems um, very uh, of the time. Mm. Oh, then yeah. and now, I must say. Yeah, well, that's that's right. Yeah, I mean, things have changed and things haven't changed, and and I think that that's you know that's um, the importance of having a work like this because it's like, well, you know, women are still being, you know, in getting bashed in their relationships, um, domestic violence, and 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 women, and you know. I mean, I'm always I'm always a little bit shocked when I remember, and I'm one of these people, which is probably not like most women, who is very unhappy that I'm not allowed to walk the street. So I actually walk wherever I want to walk at all kinds of times of night or whatever, because I'm like, women can't walk the street, what? Um, and that's not always a good idea. It's not safe and it's not smart maybe, but it's just like I'm I'm always just so disgusted that, in this day and age still, we can't even feel safe to walk the streets. Like, that's shocking to me. Like, I mean, seriously, in most women's minds, that's what that's what they're thinking. Like, that's not a good way to live. So, yes, we, you know, and, and obviously we look at parliament, we look at lots of places, and, yes, women are slowly coming in, but it's quite surprising that women are still in this position. And I think, you know, I, th I think that obviously... I don't think men will necessarily give up power. It kind of does need to be taken. But when I was talking about quotas before, it's like, well, it's good there are quotas. I don't know how you ever start if you don't have a quota. You know, they wouldn't have probably opened the door for women if there wasn't a quota. It just doesn't seem to work like that. Um, but, yes, yes. Um, sorry, what was the other part of the question? <laughs> <laughs> Basically, what what is Amelia about? I know you play um, the role of Amelia, but you share it with two other um, actors, Manali Datar and Cecily Stovall. Um, are yeah. you playing Amelia at different stages of her life, or how, how does that work? That mm. three three actors get to share the one role. Yes, yes, that's right. So uh, Amelia one is the younger Amelia um, for the first I'm not sure how many years of her life, maybe. 20 or something approximately um yes and then Cecily so that's Manali and then Cecily steps in uh for that middle section I we are all Amelia though so we are all part of the play the whole time um and we you know we don't yeah we we see each other and stuff like that um and I'm Amelia Three, who is really, yeah, who encompasses all the Amelias, but who is the last section of the life. But obviously, this is my life. So, you know, we all, yeah, we all know each other. It's it's an interesting concept. Um, 
which I think is which I think is great anyway because they're all really yeah they're all kind of different really different parts of a person who has had a life yeah I, yeah it's it, it's interesting I'm not sure why they did that you could certainly just have one person but I don't know there's something about the group of I don't know all women you know all women being all you know, women having that shared femaleness. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's, it seems to work to me. It's kind of, um, you know, I think we're quite well cast to play those different roles yeah. and parts as well because we all bring our own kind of, um, you know, personality into that. Well, that's the beauty of theatre, mm. isn't it? You, you can tell the story how you want to tell the story. That's it. Yeah, yeah. Lisa, you're, you're a... Um, as well as an actor, you're a singer, you're a documentary maker. Uh, why do you think you became a storyteller? Oh, well, I think originally, uh, like, like, well, I would be watching television, you know, obviously, and, and you don't ever see anyone who looks like you. So that was one part of it. I mean, it was also even, even, and even when I saw black stories, because of course we were seeing theatre when we were young, and obviously that was part of, you know, we, you know, we were amongst that that storytelling staff, so I, I expect that that was part of it as well, because um, we were encouraged when we were young. I mean, I was encouraged when I was, um, well, even younger than that. I think our father got us, you know, we we were singing and stuff, and he'd get us to perform in front of his friends at home when they'd come over or something, you know, or um, and he cast me in a play, as in the. Um, as Pumpkinhead in the first show at, at Redfern and in the National Black Theatre, um, yeah, I was seven, and that was in The Cake Man. So, you know, so that was, you know, I was the storytelling was kind of already happening, obviously, as, as an actor. I think, I mean, yeah, I, I suppose I always felt like my story wasn't being told. Even, even when there was other black stories and stuff, it still didn't feel like my my kind of story um, because I grew up in the city and my experience was obviously different from my father's or my mother's, you know, they, they were completely different stories and I felt like there was no contemporary story of blackfellas in this country and, and me and my sister, I mean, it took a very long time for us to write our own. We wrote our own play called Sisters of Gellarm, which was our story um, and of course, we've got a different story to each other, but we've got a similar story. Obviously, we've got the same mother and father. Um, my mother, our mother, who's uh, who's Dutch, who's still around now. She's seventy nine. Um, she was in it as a little marionette puppet that Rachel operated, um, and and it was kind of about our journey on and in finding out who we were and. Um, you know, it was that autobiographical, well, semi-autobiographical stuff um, where we got to put our own songs in and, um, yeah, and that that was all about, like, we don't have our story and come on, surely we should write every, you know, like it was, it was a challenge to us to go, okay. So for two years we kind of worked on that, like even applying for a grant to, I know you don't need a grant to start writing, but it was, I suppose, sometimes it was like, let's get a grant and then, we have to stop and we have to do this. Like, we'll be forced to do this work. 
which is a funny way to do it, but that's sometimes what's required when you're busy. You know, it's like when money comes this way, it's like, okay, we apply for this now, now we have to do it. So, you know, we worked we worked very hard on that for a couple of years and then in 2009, Malthouse put it on. So it was just a short season, but it was, yeah, I mean, and that was like, wow, that's our story. But I think, you know, it's not just about my story. That was for myself and, and for my sister and my family and whatever. But, you know, I want to tell stories because I feel like, I feel like that's the way, that's the way we, well, obviously that's the way we connect and that's the way we help people understand. And, you know, it's, it's what, yeah, it's what I love doing. I like watching stories. I like hearing stories. I want to tell stories. I mean, I think, and, and that's a human thing, you know, I mean, I've been lucky enough to be kind of pushed into this path, um, you know, and being, it's been available to me where other people may not have considered the path because they haven't had those opportunities. So I know I feel privileged, you know, I feel like this is, I have had the opportunity to go down this path and I love this path and you meet people and you have, you know, you have these mad connections with people when you work together, telling a story, you know, you all, you have the same kind of passion. So everyone I work with, you just got this, yeah, very, um, yeah, just this lovely, strong personal connection that you're all working towards telling this story and there's kind of nothing, well, there's nothing like it. You know, I've worked in straight jobs, I've worked in bars and I've worked at the Melbourne Museum and, you know, you still have a connection but when you're working together to, to write a story, it's a bit more and I think that you you put in more, you put in above and beyond what a normal job requires, you know. I mean, maybe that's... No, I don't think it's just me. I mean, I will work as much as I need to work to get whatever has to be got done in that way. Now, for, for the listener, we, we must reiterate, too, that uh, your father is uh, Bob Mazza, who uh, yeah. is, is one of the forefathers of black theatre in Australia. And as well as being an actor, writer, director and activist, he was also the first Indigenous Australian film commissioner. So um, quite a legacy he has um he has left. What What do you remember of Bob? Huh. Well, oh well, I remember. I do remember him telling stories. There you go. Um, he would. He loved telling stories, and I. I told. I watched him many times, even tell the same story, and every time he told it, and he was a master of this. Every time he told it, it was told afresh like it had never been told before. And it was like a perfect lesson in acting as well as storytelling and being that kind of, um, you know, he was very, um, very friendly, um, gave people all the time in the world. You know, he, he people who'd met him for one second who had had such a, a brief, say not one second, but one minute, had a brief, you know, um, encounter with him remember you know that that they that that made such a big impression on people you know and it was interesting hearing all those stories as well through through my own life like people going your father you know and I and it used to be like because you know because he wasn't around a lot he was busy and stuff so um you know I'd be thinking oh like all these people having all these experiences that's my thought when I was young I kind of got to understand that you know he was busy and that's what he did and he his purpose I feel was bigger than having a family because he wasn't around enough 
as I, as far as I was concerned as a child. But um, I, I understand that sometimes that there's other purposes that people <laughs> have a different path. And his influence on theatre and the benefits that I and the family and everyone in theatre benefits is gigantic, you know. Um, and, yeah, he did. I mean, he did break those boundaries by by his charm and by his skill and whatever. Um, you know, I think that people in the day, certainly from what I heard from talking to Gary Foley and people like that, um, was like, you know, they were just a group of people um, with kind of, you know, with, with a want to make change and connect and whatever, trying to make things better for all blackfellas um, who were just getting together and, you know, chewing the fat and discussing and, you know, and there was a lot of meetings at our house at all times of the night and the weekend. So there was a lot of, um, you know, singing and uh, arguing and, um, you know, sharing stories and singing, uh, yeah, um, you know, um, swearing and, you know, whatever, drinking, <laughs> etc. Um, you know, so I think it was a time when, yeah, it was, it was all new, but they didn't think. What, what's interesting is they didn't think they were making any, you know, they can look back now and see what they created. But at the time they were just trying to make something better and make, you know, fighting for all that stuff, which is quite interesting. But, um, yeah, so, so Dad was part of that. But where he came from, you know, he was always very gentle. Um, he was always, yeah, very personable. Actually, one thing he was amazing at, which I saw at Sydney Theatre Company once when I was with him, was that we were walking down and I could see he'd forgotten people. So he knew, you know, he knew every, everyone knew him, but he didn't necessarily, of course, know everyone. But someone came up to him who had obviously worked with and he was getting on then, you know, um, and he, he kind of covered, he covered it really well. Like he was like, oh, the person said, oh, hi, Bob, whatever. And he said, oh, he was like, oh, um, he was like, oh, yeah, uh, uh, like he was doing that. And the guy said his name. He's like, oh, yes, yes, where did I know you from? Like he got all the information from this guy. He got him to tell him. And then there was nothing terrible made of it because he, then he, he treated him as if he was a dear friend of his. And so the person still got the love and the attention that, that they kind of, you know, hoped for. And it was just like I thought, wow, that's cool because I, I have to say I'm probably a bit uh, a bit rude in that. I'd be like, sorry, where, where do I know? You know, I, yeah. It was a different way of being and I think he was of that old school, that old gentleman, which I've seen in many, um, many probably, well, maybe there's women too, but I suppose the men are the ones that I know who, who were these old gentlemen and I have to say that's like, you know, a recently passed Uncle Jack and, um, you know, uh, Jimmy Little, you know, they, they were of that old, that kind of old school, um, good manners and good grace and, you know, just that kind of, um, you know, very humble kind of, which is, which is a lovely characteristic.
Yeah. And, um, and, and absolute, absolute yeah, charm, charm personified. Um, Bob um, mm, virtually yeah. had no formal training in the theatre, yet his output is tremendous in, in the plays that he wrote and the, his performances. And indeed, um, the old popular serial Bellbird, um, he appeared as um, an article mm. clerk, Jerry Walters. Um, and he was really effectively changing the way that Indigenous people were portrayed in the media, um, on television. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, I think he, he liked to, like he kind of loved Simi Poitier and, you know, that he kind of related to that kind of style, of, you know, smooth and, yeah, just, just kind of being accepted in that, in, in that way as a, as a, as an equal and as a, you know, um, so yeah, when you see him in Bellbird, cause I've seen a, a lot of that footage actually, um, I was lucky enough to get through something I was doing. Um, and it's like, oh, it was funny. I mean, I do remember watching it at the time, but that was a few years ago when I was quite young, in fact. Um, so, yeah, he was very smooth and that was quite controversial. I was watching the interview with the um, with the director, I, I, I think it was, and, um, yeah, it was, it was like, you know, he comes in the town and, I mean, there was a lot of backlash at that time, but that was like over 50 years ago. Mm. If You know, like that was a long time ago. And if you look at what's happened, gosh, it was a long time. You know, the influence was slow, but, it, it, but then I have heard from different people like, you know, Stephen Page uh, as well as other people how, you know, obviously that black theatre and that work and Bellbird and whatever, and him being the commissioner as well, like allowing the film, you know, helping with the film stuff, um, you know, that so black theatre and, and that kind of thing, these early beginnings really had an influence in dance, in, you know, film. And, and so it all kind of, you know, which is all about storytelling, performing and, you know, sharing. Um, yeah, um, so, fa fascinating and, and beautiful that yeah, that you mentioned, you know, people like Gary Foley and Uncle Jack Charles and, and, and Bob Mazza yeah. didn't really realise what the, 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 the path that they were paving. But, um, of course, now we have um, Ilbajiri Company and Yuriyakin in Perth, uh, the Bangara Dance in Sydney, um, the tremendous output that, that Black Swan and Balboise Street have uh, produced as far as Indigenous theatre goes. Um, they were really trailblazers. Amazing, absolutely. They were, and yeah, and it, I mean, Ilbidri Theatre is like 30, might be 32 now, um, or, and and so yeah, that has been around for quite quite a long time. Um, and then, yes, Yuyakin, and there was Kuemba Jadara, which is um, a Queensland, was a Brisbane theatre company as well, that Wesley Enoch was, was uh, the artistic director for some time as well before he was the head of QTC and Sydney uh, Festival, et cetera, and whatever he's doing now. I think he's back in Queensland. But, um, yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, it all opened it up. But, I mean, you know, obviously, yeah, uh, trying to get people, it's, it's, it's been a quite a, you know, I think it's been an amazing journey and that these theatre companies have actually survived because it is extremely hard. Um, hard work, I know, because my sister's the artistic director of Ilbidri Theatre Company. Um, yes, so so it's like a, it's, it's a big job and she's completely committed, luckily, to that job, I think. So she's been there for 14 years now and, I've, and I was involved in the company as well because when I came to Melbourne in 
20, whatever, 24 years ago, I was lucky enough to get a role there uh, doing Stolen. And I think I did Stolen in Japan, actually. That was my first gig with, um, with, um, with the obituary theatre. But then, yeah, I was on the board recently and I was on the board for 10 years and I was like, okay, that's enough. So I recently stepped down, but I've always been involved in the company in different capacities. I've even done administration. I've done tool managing and stuff for the company. I've, I've done, yeah, all kinds of work. And what is it? What <laughs> yes. does obituary mean? Yes. Now, does it mean coming together for ceremony? Is that obituary? Oh, gosh. I should remember that. Oh, how come I don't know that? I think it is. I could Google it. Yes, we can all we can all Google that. <laughs> so it's no surprise <laughs> that that you and your sister Rachel uh, followed Dad's footsteps into being theatre makers, um, yeah. actors, creatives. No. Yeah, I try. I did really try. I did. I mean, I I went. I did go to acting school for a short while at the Ensemble for a year when I lived in Sydney. And I got kind of scared off. I don't know. I wasn't ready. I don't think I'd lived enough. I'd lived some kind of life, but I hadn't lived, you know, figured out who I was in, in myself or, or whatever. Not that anyone figures that out, but, you know, you figure it out a bit more when you're my age now. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so I, so I kind of got put off and I thought, no, I don't want to do the same thing as dad and, you know, da 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 and I don't know. So I did try other things, but. Yeah. And actually what brought me back was that actually Rach was doing it. I think she'd gone to she'd gone to Whopper then. And I think one of her first gigs out of acting was uh Rachel Perkins was in a third year at Afters and was making a little film in that third year where she was producing the film. She was producing then. Um and it was a little film. Uh, Goblin Market. Oh gosh, the name came to me. Good. It was a little film called Goblin Market, and it was anyway. Rachel was playing a character, and they needed her sister, and Rachel was convincing me to do it, and so I did it. It was a crazy little film. <laughs> it's mad. We're wearing these. I think we're wearing blue dresses. I can't remember. Anyway, we've got like red lipstick on, and I don't know. Lots of people have seen it. It's on. It's occasionally on NITV. It's some little weird movie, but um. And that kind of brought me back to, to theatre. So that was in like, I don't know, that must have been, I can't even remember what year it was. It doesn't matter, it was a long time ago. It seems like decades ago now. Oh, when, you so get to our, like, when you get to our age, Lisa, I mean, it's just a blur, isn't it? And, it is. And when was that? It is. But, yeah, so that was it. And then I got an agent and then, I yeah, then things started happening. And then I did Radiance, I think, with Wesley when he was at QTC that was one of my early ones I'd done a, I'd done a radiance tour with um actually with well we were called Brenda Webb she was a uh, singing then and um Lisa Marie Siren who of course is around who of course Brian Siren was her uncle etc so Lisa Marie Siren was in that play as well and we toured just country New South Wales and then after that I got the QTC gig of radiance after it had been done in Sydney with Rachel Rhoda Roberts and Lydia Miller which was the original so I'd seen that but then we I did the second version of it with Deb Malman and Roxanne McDonald with Wesley directing so that was pretty cool at QTC 
well, Kuwemba Jadara, QTC co-production. So actually, Wes, sorry, Wes was the artistic director of Kuwemba Jadara at that time, the Queensland Indigenous Company. Gee, you've just reeled off a, a list of great Australian actors nice. there. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yes, indeed. I know. Oh, my gosh. So, yeah. so were, were your parents happy about uh, you and Rachel Delia, or surprised about going into the arts? Were, were they supportive? Oh, yeah. They were, yes, absolutely. They were supportive. Yeah. They weren't surprised at all. You know, you never, I mean, you know, it's, it's kind of like, yeah, it, it is interesting what you get surrounded by and what obviously what influence that has on you, of course, and it certainly opens doors and, and, and it's what you used to. You know, we literally were seeing theatre when we were babies, like we, we've been around it for a long time and it's kind of no surprise that the next generation, which I have to say I don't have any children, but Rachel has a son and it's no surprise, even though I think, he was, you know, I don't think he wanted to even get into it, but he's just finished night a lot at the end of last year. And guess what? He's out, you know. So that's no surprise at all either. At the Belvoir Theatre, you know, a great show with Luke Carroll and Nathan Maynard wrote a show there at the Belvoir, which he got and he had to learn it in a very short time. He had it like a week or two to get it up and he, he really you know he really was he did a great job so yeah he, so yes. he's out and about in the world the generations can continue and and treading treading the boards where his mum and auntie have also treaded so uh, that's a lovely thing um you obviously uh, think that, that that the arts for young people is very important because you started a program as in the program called young black and deadly no, yes of course which, yeah oh yes yes i mean that covid has had a bit of a you know, it had a bit of an impact on us. I was trying to start it all through COVID, but unfortunately, um, you know, it kept on being postponed. But it has it has begun. Unfortunately, I've gotten a little bit busy, but the idea of it, and I will, you know, I, I'll keep on coming back to it, um, is that, yeah, it is about, because I think that there's a lot of young black fellas who don't, who don't um, really understand what all the roles are. And something that certainly me and Rachel have talked about a lot is, um, like, why aren't there all these young fellas coming up? Like, what's going on? Um, because there are all these different roles and, 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 you know, obviously there's people who've got these skills and they could be doing this. And I think it's just about trying to match, match people up and trying to uh, get people to um, find pathways, basically, and that that it was the idea behind it, um, because there are all these gaps. It's it's huge, and actually, in all these places that aren't on stage, that aren't actually acting, there's tons of roles. Um, and that, so, I think that you know, when I think about like how how enthusiastic people are about sport in this country, blackfellas especially, but everyone, especially in Victoria, actually. Um, we didn't get brought up with sport. My mother does not like sport and we weren't allowed to watch sport. So we're quite unusual uh, compared to other people. We obviously played sport at school and we enjoyed sport, but that's, you know, that was it. We didn't do sport outside of that. So theatre, it was like, how, how, how are people so dedicated and love sport and it doesn't matter what happens at sport, people are still committed to sport. And it was just like, I, I wonder how we can get people to kind of do, to have that same 
commitment and passion for theatre, you know, and I think that you do need to start them young. You do need to bring them to the theatre and you do need to get them to understand and love as maybe as much as we do, <laughs> the power of theatre and what it can do. And I think that, yeah, I think the only way is to definitely try and start them as young as possible um, and just get them to see theatre, get them to meet, um, you know, people involved in theatre. Um, so get them to see an obituary show, uh, get, you know, bring them back to MTC and go into the wardrobe or, you know, and all, or in all those places and explain all these jobs. And as I said, see what their skills and interests are and then see if we can find pathways and connections but it, that's a huge job it's a huge job which is which I've started <laughs> on a kind of small scale but um yeah it, I think that it needs to yeah I think that at this point we might um try and get uh other uh, other kind of stakeholders I feel I feel like there needs to be all kind of support that, that's coming from all different places because I feel like I, I can't do it by my, like I can't do it like just a couple of people doing it it's got to be like you know and I feel like there's there's value there's value in it and I feel like people will see value but that just it has to be packaged and 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 people have to be talked to and connected and there, there needs to be a kind of meeting of of people who can also see benefit in this who can be of value in making it happen so, you know, or even like some kind of website where where people could go into, you know, put in their skills. So say I'm interested in drawing and then you can kind of find, you know, the different different thoughts and pathways you could have from that. Just saying I like drawing. Oh, because then it's like, okay, well, you could be a, a, you could do set design or, you know, you could do visual, you know, whatever. Like so, just so that there's even, oh. You know, a little. These are these are possibilities. So read a bit more about this now, or, or not read maybe because maybe not everyone wants to read. But yeah, how how do you even present that to people to make them interested as well? You know. So yeah. So but that's just in my area. I live in the west in in Victoria. I live in Sunshine, and it's like yeah. So it's just some work with in the west trying to figure out some of that because I think it. I think starting small as you can is probably better to just figure out what to do with with that. But I really feel like there's a lot of young blackfellas who'd be awesome at at a lot of these jobs, you know. Yeah, uh, out I of think. little out of little things, big things grow. Well, that's right, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Well, um, with people like you, the future looks very exciting, Lisa Mazza. Um, <laughs> and very exciting for you indeed over the next month with Amelia playing the Victorian Arts Centre in Melbourne um, from November 10th to the 27th. And then I believe you're going on to Canberra afterwards? Yes, we'll have a week in Canberra, which will be great. Well, I think it's just about maybe four or something shows, maybe five. Yeah, so that, yeah, that should be fun. I was just in Canberra a little while ago, so met up with some people there too just bumped into them and it's like yeah yeah it's nice that it's going to be touring I don't I think it's got some plans in the future as well but nothing locked in but um yeah it'll be amazing it'll be so great to have it at the art center because we're rehearsing in Geelong at the moment which is a bit of a trip but uh yes so it'll be nice because that's where the company's based essential theater um so yeah we're rehearsing in GPAC um you know, in Geelong Performing Arts Centre. 
and they've got a beautiful space there. I've, I, I've actually never seen that part of it. I think it's all been done up. It's been years since I went to the Geelong Performing Arts Centre. Um, yeah, so, yes, it would be lovely to be at the Arts Centre, of course, to be doing that. And, you know, yeah, it does run for a month, so it's quite a while. So, you know, hopefully we'll get some good houses. But, I, you know, it'll just be such a, it's just such a huge production that I really feel like, yeah, I feel like people will enjoy. I feel like there's a lot in it. You know, people will, you know, I think there's a t there's a ton of comedy, but it's also, of course, about, a, you know, a well, you know, there's a lot of serious stuff in it as well, but there's a lot of movement and colour and, oh, just going to be beautiful in that way, you know? And I think, yeah, just, just the commitment and joy and connection that is already in this room this beautiful you know is is just yeah it's just palpable it's lovely you know so I think that it really will be great great show I you know it, it's it's only been a week and it's just like oh yeah excellent Lisa it's been a delight to chat with you thanks for giving up part of your Saturday morning and um all the best with the show oh thank you so much yeah great to be here and um yeah Thanks, Peter. <laughs> Inspired by the 17th century poet and revolutionist Amelia Bassano, the supposed dark lady of Shakespeare's sonnets, this highly lauded show, written by British playwright Morgan Lloyd Malcolm, features a team entirely made up of women and non-binary creatives from diverse cultural backgrounds. This powerful historical drama, one that unapologetically champions all women, sees Manali Datar, Cecily Stovall and Lisa Mazza each take on the role of Amelia. Fierce and provocative, Amelia is the perfect mix of comedy and fury. Catch the production from November 10 to 27 at the Arts Centre Melbourne before a season in Canberra. Thank you Lisa and Chookers for a triumphant season. Thanks for joining us in this episode. You can check out all of the episodes featured in the podcast thus far by visiting our website, www.stagespodcast.com.au. I'm Peter Ayers. Keep well, keep warm, stay safe, and I'll catch you next time on Stages. <laughs>